Good Monday, everybody. Welcome into the Awesome Fantasy Football Show, the Awesome Fantasy Football Channel. We appreciate everybody hanging. You know what to do. First thing you do when you walk in here is smash away on that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so you're never late. It's myself, Tara's in the house, Lofty's in the house, and we have a juicy one here for you with injury news bound, trade news as well, real world trade news, not just fantasy football trade news. And we have to hit it all in the next 56 minutes before we get out of here and jam in the Derrick Henry information, what's happened with the Rams. Jameis Winston is out as well. It's a lot of chaos as we also have to look back at who won your league, the MVPs, the MFPs, Tara, Loffy, as always. Great to have both of you here as we try and make sense of the madness that was. Good weekend overall, Tara? You know, I, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, yes, it could have been a lot worse. So, yes, good weekend overall. <laughs> Luffy, can you encapsulate uh, it any better or worse? Dude, I have a lot of Derrick Henry. I mean, Ooh. a lot of Derrick Henry. And, and one, one league that I should be dominating, I'm still – poised to make the playoffs but cam Akers lost him before the season started mm. christian mccaffrey's been out derrick henry i have some reinforcements though right it's a six squad cooper cups on that team as well uh i mean it's it's not good not, not to pat myself on the back but it's a pretty nasty team when healthy eli mitchell got a little cool huh? herbert so yeah but i got julio too deandre hopkins darren wall the list goes on all i'm saying is i should have coasted should be coasting right now, yet here I am fighting for my keep. So, yeah, the Derrick Henry news is huge, man. For those of you that haven't been following along on Twitter today, out six to ten weeks with foot surgery, broken bone in his foot. We saw him on the sideline yesterday with his cleat off. He still got like 27 carries, came back in. The guy's a beast. But he's arguably, other than maybe Cooper Cup right now, the most important fantasy asset in the league. So losing him is is so big. It's just, you know, first McCaffrey and then him. Not for just me, but in general. Generally. I mean, these are guys you drafted top three overall, top four overall, and it's going to take a toll. I noticed you didn't say Hurts as far as one of the most vital fantasy players in the league. No, because quarterbacks, generally speaking, don't matter. <laughs> I love it. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't resist. And, and that's kind of the quarterback <laughs> leagues. It's different, right? Super flex <laughs> leagues. I get it. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, you can. He can scoop quarterback from everywhere. He could have played Mike White yesterday, Aton. And True. I get it. You, not that you should have. I'm just all I'm saying you is you could can, have. You can, There's a difference. You, can, you, can, you, you might have. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the thing where might, I think, is the operative word to to now have to, right, Tara? We're 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 trying to make sense of what to do with Derrick Henry. First and foremost, I don't know what the Titans do. And, and I, let's look at that as far as what we anticipate the Titans to do. Loffy mentioned that the news is out. There's no more speculation about how long he could be out. So we'll look at what the Titans can do first and then kind of look at what people should do trying to pivot away from Derrick Henry already eight weeks into the season, depending on who may be available. But if you're looking at it from a team standpoint, where do you think the most realistic target slash landing spot for a trade could be so it didn't seem realistic until about like two hours ago or so um i wonder if denver has accepted that this just is not a team to move forward anywhere in any shape that makes sense for playoffs or super bowl and they're going to start looking to the future so when we look at that von miller trade now my eyes are opening up thinking huh 
I would not have assumed that Melvin Gordon might be available, but maybe he is available now. And that's the kind of caliber of player that can make a real difference for Tennessee, who is someone who does, in fact, want to make a playoff push. They're coming off of a great season. They've still got most of their, you know, offensive pieces. They added Julio Jones. So losing Derrick Henry is huge, and they want to be able to sub some money in that can help keep them as a run-heavy team. There's nobody good out there, really. I mean, our producer, Chris Karen just put it up on the screen. The Adam Schefter tweet from earlier today. Obviously, all of these guys are, are, are entirely speculative, right? Yep. There is not a lot to feel good about out there. You have to look at it this way, right? No matter who you land on this roster, none of them are going to be even no. 30% capable of doing what Derrick Henry does. And I, I know I've talked about this so often, particularly on our Daily Fantasy channel, but what Derrick Henry is so peculiar, peculiarly that a word peculiar. I think you don't need the L Y at the end. I think you just need peculiar. <laughs> no, because he does something in a peculiar way, right? So I could say it's peculiar how he does. Really, I'm going to trust Tara of the three of us here, whether or not that's a right word. No offense to you, Lauren. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I you don't knock my vocabulary, Ati. Come on now. <laughs> a peculiarly good at something. I think that works. I just can't say the actual okay. word. Is that right? A... Yeah, I just yeah. I, I can't actually say it. Uh, oh, you are a gem, Brad. I love. When you. it comes <laughs> when it comes to wearing down defenses late in the game. Nobody does it like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. Think about it, right? Like Nick Chubb, so many of those big runs, those powerful runs, Derrick Henry come in the second half of games. Defenses just don't want to tackle them anymore, right? I mean, and that's what makes them so valuable. There's nobody out there that can do that. You know, maybe Todd Gurley four years ago, Melvin Gordon's good, but he's not, he's not, he's not that guy. Even if you thought maybe you could land him and get something for him. And, and let Javonta Williams take over. Like anybody out there right now is essentially just a stopgap. It's a Band-Aid on a bullet wound, really. So yeah. when I see this, I actually look at someone in Jeremy McNichols and think, what if, what if they do bring in a back, okay, that could get some work? Like, do you really, Tevin Coleman? Seriously? Why? What he, he couldn't hack it in New York right now. Maybe maybe you see them start passing to the running back more, which is, you know, last year no team threw fewer uh, targets than them uh, to, the, to the running back than the Tennessee Titans. Maybe you see them throw to the running back more, and that actually results in some big-time target games for Jeremy McNichols, which makes him valuable in PPR leagues. No one's talking about the guy, but uh, Darrington Evans just hit the IR. He's done for the year. They literally have nobody else. Right. They 100% have to add somebody. But I mean, yeah. McNichols, the thing about McNichols is that we don't have a lot of sample size for him because, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, um, Derrick Henry does not split with anybody. So, but we have right. seen him be productive, as you mentioned, when they were needy at the wide receiver position. So, um, for sure. For, so, for fantasy managers, if you're looking at the waivers and somebody you want to prioritize, it's worth the gamble on him uh, because we may not know, even if they do decide to sign an Adrian Peterson just to add something into that running back room since they don't have anyone even if they do decide to do that we're not going to know how things shake out by the time that waivers run so I would go ahead and I would prioritize McNichols yeah, yeah. and the big the big real quick Aitan, <laughs> the big question is how do they adjust this offense right this when you when you think about it there is they, you can't run the same offense so Todd Downing says our Herculean task on his hands so to speak How's that for vocab? I think time? you nailed it. <laughs> and, and 
You're it's just using really these words difficult. on purpose now. That's not fair. Oh, yeah. I mean, now it's personal. <laughs> uh, it, it, at this rate, though, they can't run the same offense they did. Yes, they have a good off, a good enough run-blocking offensive line, but you, you can't replace Henry. So if Julio Jones comes back and he's actually healthy and this hamstring starts bothering him, which is a huge if, does do, he start getting peppered? A.J. Brown's stock already goes through the roof, but the problem is how – are we sacrificing massive efficiency here with, with Derrick Henry out? And, and I think the only answer right now without knowing anything is that there's no way they can run the same offense. Maybe they can fix it. Maybe they can make adjustments that work. But as it stands, there's no way you run the same offense without Derrick Henry. It's impossible. No, not from a volume of run standpoint. So I guess now looking at it from a Titans fantasy football point of view, you referenced as far as A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Those are going to be the guys clearly to benefit from an increase in passing. I don't know what this does for Ryan Tannehill, not having the best safety valve to take pressure off of a defense that we've seen in a long time at that position. What happens to the tight end position now with increase? We would anticipate volume, at least from Ryan Tannehill, throwing the football more. And maybe there's a th Chester Rogers, right? Maybe there's somebody that you look at that's not Brown, that's not Julio, that can benefit from this at the wide receiver position. Does that make sense, Tara, as far as looking at it from a, uh, really from a Titans standpoint, as far as to Lofty's point, how this offense drastically changes, because this is not Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt going down, and then Dearness coming in like there's nothing that happened. Yeah, I know. Uh, you mentioned the tight ends, and that's something where it seems like they haven't really been able to recover from where they were last year and the utilization they had. They had Johnny Smith, who was highly involved. I think he might have had, you know, around eight or so touchdowns last year. Anthony Ferkser is not even as involved as he was last year. So there's a lot of opportunity there with Swain, uh, Michael Pruitt as well, where maybe you could shift some targets and some um, short yardage stuff over to those guys. You know, Tannehill was sacked 20 times through the first five weeks. And you look at the last few weeks, he was sacked three times last yesterday, but only once in week seven. In week six, he wasn't sacked at all. Mm. You need to keep him upright, if anything. I, I think, yeah, you're going to have some of these guys that are forced to step up. There's really no two ways around it at this point. But I'm not convinced that this is this is again what I'm saying that Aitan is. You do they just not be, do they just become a, a an offense that isn't good? Like Todd Downing's a first year offensive coordinator for them. Arthur Smith went to to Atlanta after last year. It's pretty easy to not to say that I could do his job, but you would think it's pretty easy to run an offense, you know, like a fine tuned machine when you have somebody like Derrick Henry. So you, you uh, know if, Julio, if Julio Jones doesn't return for the next couple of weeks, when's their bye week? I think you bring up, as we look at that real quick, and I, I have it here in a second. 13. 13. So you've got four weeks or so. But real quick, and, and I'll throw it back to, to both of you, but I, I think you're right to an extent where it's just impossible for me to believe that there's no adjustment period when you take out one of the most influential players and important players to his team. So maybe to, to Lofty's point, Tara, this thing needs three or four weeks before it gets going or before they find a rhythm. And in those three or four weeks, everybody suffers a little bit of a setback because the offense is going through extreme growing pains. It's a great point, Lofty. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Look at the Panthers. Look, they were three and out. Okay, they were three and out, and they looked like they were they were on pace to have a great season. They suck now without Christian McCaffrey. You know, I'm not saying you know, they they won yesterday, right, against Atlanta. Yeah, they they got that win. But it's Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta was pretty pretty bad. But yeah, oh yeah, no Calvin Ridley. It is a win, they, right? They were terrible. Yeah, but the Carolina Panthers are completely lost right? Rudderless without somebody like Christian McCaffrey. So I, I don't, I, I could, and, and that's a guy that you can't replace him per se, but he's probably easier to replace than Derrick Henry, as crazy as that sounds. So um, yeah, I, I, Nikhil or Nick Westbrook, Akine, that doesn't entice me right now. Okay. None of that, none of that is exciting. It's if you have AJ Brown, you're feeling good about it. He might sacrifice some efficiency, but he's going to have a monster workload every week. I really don't see how he doesn't. I just keep coming back to McNichols. Like if you yeah. do bring on an Adrian Peterson, okay, yeah, you can run the ball, but running the ball at three yards per clip is not going to be getting you where you need to go. Do they start targeting running backs far more often out of the backfield? It, it, like Tara said, you have to prioritize McNichols right now as someone, especially PPR leagues. But we really don't know. Like, this could be a spot where he continues to only get three or four targets per game, and and they're stubborn, and they bring in a running back that is, you know, strictly on-the-ground type of guy, and, and they decide that they're going to try to run the same offense. I don't know yet. Yeah, and to that point, you know, when you look at the – when you look at the receivers, you also run into that problem of once you take a guy like Derrick Henry and they're less focused on stopping the run, it makes things a lot more difficult. And I mean, you've got AJ Brown. I mean, that's somebody who can get open against any type of coverage, but it's going to be a lot more difficult moving forward for the uh, Titans receivers. All right. So before we move on from the Derrick Henry conversation as a whole, uh, I'm curious. And what I'm going to do is I'll give you three people that are available in, in one of the leagues that I'm in the awesome OC league here. So uh, allegedly, there are a couple of sharps in this uh, league alongside me here. But just to try and granted, Jeremy McNichols is one of them. So you have Derrick Henry. You don't trust your bench. You're shit out of luck right now. You're thinking, I need to do something. You look at the waiver wire, and here are three backs, okay? And, and Tara, I'll throw it at you, Loffy, please. I can't wait because I know McNichols is here, but this is really putting the McNichols trutherism to the fire. I'm not a truther at okay. all. I'm a, I'm a, it's, he, is, he is strictly a product of uncertainty is okay. what I'm saying. And he's one guy that's actually on the roster. Like, we're about to talk about right. players that literally aren't on the roster right now. Well, I'm talking about you picking him up as a fantasy football owner as opposed to what the Titans would do, okay? So you're going to the waiver wire. You have Ty Johnson, Giovanni Bernard, or Jeremy McNichols. Tara, I'll start with you. Mm, that's tough. Um, I would probably go with – I would still probably go with Jeremy McNichols. Um, I do like Ty Johnson. He is somebody that is a waiver pickup for me this week just because of the direction that they're heading, the targets that he's getting – um, but at the end of the day, he is still second to Michael Carter. And Jerry uh, McNichols has the potential to be the number one in that offense. We don't know. I would just rather take the gamble right there that they go ahead, they stick with what they have, and they try to plug him in and work with that. Yeah, I mean, look, there, people are listing TJ Yeldon as a potential replacement. Mm. It's, it's ugly. Deontay Foreman, I was always a big – you want to talk about a truther. I was a Deontay Foreman <laughs> truther. That didn't work out too well. But it's hard It's hard when you rupture your Achilles, though, you know, as a running back. True. Got to give him some break. Uh, 
So are we just talking about waiver wire in general or guys that could end up on this team? No, I'm talking about like, forget real life. I'm talking about you're a, a Derek, you, you roster Derek Henry. You don't trust your bench. Okay. Somebody gets hurt. You're going to the waiver wire and there you have these three guys. That's all. Gotcha. Tara got well, it. Like it was very simple back and forth yeah. between me and Tara. I, I guys are just trying to be sure here, man. Just want to be, just wanted some clarity. That's all. Um, Ty Johnson's involved, but for how much longer, you know, right. the, the, the two best game, I, I talked about Michael Carter and the start sit video this, this past week and, and how, you know, you hit some, you miss some. I, I hit on that this week because you just, it just feels like Mike White targeted his running backs almost 50% of the time when he came in to replace Zach Wilson last week. That's significant. Right. And Ty Johnson was used. Uh, I believe uh, yesterday he had six targets as well. So the great thing about Ty Johnson is that it, it, it looks like even if, if Michael Carter is going to be used heavily in the passing game, and he's clearly the, the lead back on the ground, there's, there's no doubt about that. That is no longer up for debate. Even though you might see a, a, a rogue goal line uh, carry from Ty Johnson, Michael Carter had 15 carries to Johnson's four last week. He has double-digit carries in four straight games. They're not a great offense, but... Uh, I do think, depending on how long Wilson is out, if Mike White's in there, it's probably helping the running backs. These guys have been targeted a ton, ton the last two games, and they played from behind against the Patriots. They played with the lead or in a neutral game script yesterday and still targeted the running backs a ton. That's a good sign. So, yeah, yeah Ty Johnson's definitely interesting. Um, McNichols is tough because you just don't know who's going to be there, and that's that's what it comes down to. I I'd go, who, what did you say? Ty Johnson, McNichols, or who was the third option? Giovanni Bernard. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not all that enthusiastic about him. There's so many weapons on that team, and he'll have a game here or there, but it, it's going to be few and far between. I, I'd, say, I'd say I'd probably still go McNichols here, but Ty Johnson in the passing game is interesting. They both, though, in, in non-PPR leagues are going to become a way, going to become a whole lot less enticing to me. You got full PPR, they're a lot more appealing. All right. Just curious. And I just had to throw a third player out there, and he was sure, up there yeah. for productivity. So I figured, why not put Bernard in there? Now, let's look at a couple of more injury issues happening around the league. We'll dive into our MVPs or MFPs, talk about some waiver wire discussion, as Tara hinted at. Before we get out of here, hit that thumbs up button, please. We don't ask much. Make sure you're subscribed. And then look at that. We have links below courtesy of Yahoo, where you can jump in, get $10 free to mess around with. And right below, if you're new to Yahoo, when you sign up upon your first paid contest entry, we're going to give you one free month of Awesome Plus Platinum that you can put to work right away when it comes to everything and anything from DFS to season long and even betting. Imagine that. Calvin Ridley was the big one on Sunday. Took a lot of people by surprise. And looking at the team itself, hopefully Ben Ross is not watching because he got buried thinking that everything would go to Gage and Pitts, what have you. But that was, I think, more telling, maybe, the result of what happened with Atlanta as opposed to just Calvin Ridley being out. There was shock, clearly, with Calvin Ridley. And hopefully, you know, he's getting time and, and doing what he needs to come back. But I think the surprise or, or maybe just flatline was, wow. So little productivity went around with his absence. I, I don't know, Tara, if, if that caught you by as, as much of a surprise, but I thought it was a reasonable expectation to say, okay, Ridley's out, Gage, Pitts, et cetera, you're going to start to see having more, and we didn't see that. 
you know, the only hope that I can have is that this was, this was something that was jarring to the team as a whole. Um, the announcement came literally right before the game. So in, from that perspective, they might not just have been ready for that type of he is gone kind of deal. Um, and we don't really know what it's about. But uh, so I, I'm a little bit optimistic that it would be a lot different where we have, you know, a week from now and they've got a whole week to game plan, move forward in a positive direction. But I kind of get the feeling that they're going to shift the offense a little bit. There's Gage that can still be there, um, but he's more of a secondary receiver. I don't know if he's a guy that can kind of take on that top coverage. Then you've got other options as well. But I wonder if they're going to do what they do best and lean into that um, those two running backs and give more opportunities to Mike Davis. He can see some more work on the ground, obviously some more work catching the ball out of the backfield. He was five of six with the reception. So, I mean, that's something that he does very well. And then they can put more pass emphasis on Cordero Patterson. So I think those two are the ones that will really benefit in this move forward here versus um, Gage or Sharp or um, Zacchaeus. They should, yeah. It's it's an ugly team when you when you take, you know, Julio Jones is gone and then you take Calvin Ridley out. And, and like you said, Tara, we don't know necessarily what's going on. It appears to be some type of mental health thing but i don't know how long he's going to be out right he's just taking some time away do we have any timeline for that because it could be five days it could be five weeks it could be the season i i don't know we saw oh. with with lane johnson that that was just kind of you know under wraps and and we we had no idea we were just kind of at, at the mercy of of whatever we heard once he decided to tell us and i feel like that's the same with calvin ridley but really, when it comes to guys like Pitts, you're just going to keep running him out there, okay? When it comes to Cordero Patterson, you're just going to keep playing him. Cordero, Cordero Patterson went from being a guy that all of us said, hey, there's no way at this point you can expect this, this production to be sustainable. Nobody talked about what if Cordero Patterson's snap counts and routes run and an opportunity actually goes up and is now kind of the equivalent to the production we've seen. And that's happened, right? He went from seeing very little opportunity and producing a lot with it, getting targeted on like 30% of the routes that he's running and playing 30% of snaps to playing 60, 73, and 60% of snaps over the last three games. That's really important when you look at a guy who uh, now you're saying, okay, it's commensurate with the amount of snaps he's playing. And now he's getting a ton of opportunities and he's scoring a ton and he's used as a rusher and as a passer. He has 30 seven carries over the last three games uh, and, and uh, 19 targets. That's good volume. So Pitts and, and Cordell Patterson are the guys. When it comes to Russell Gage, I, I'm not, he said he's done, he's had one game this season. Okay. Outside of that, been very little. If you're looking at him now as kind of the de facto wide receiver one, I totally understand that. But I, I worry that this offense could could stall out more times than not. So I'll take the two guys that are legitimately good and going to get the volume pretty much guaranteed. They can hopefully outweigh the, the lack of efficiency. Yeah, there's nothing you can do right now with Ridley. If, if you have Ridley on your squad, then you kind of have to just put him on the bench and, and wait for him to return, I would think. Unless you get – now, everything changes if he says he needs the rest of the season off and you get definitive word like we got with Derrick Henry. But – I, I don't know, to your point, Lafayette, and, and then kind of looking at this as a whole here, Tara, I, I don't think you can right now at least do anything with Ridley, right? 
yeah, I, I, I don't, it's very possible that this is a situation where he's out for the rest of the season. So, you know, if, if there's someone who does want to take a gamble and trade for them or trade for him in a redraft, I can see that. But in dynasty, I'm kind of like holding right now on him just because of how much variability there is with this. Real quick, before we hit T.Y. and a couple of other injuries here, you mentioned the key word when it comes to Derrick Henry. What to do, Lofi, and, and let's start here. What do you do in dynasty leagues with someone like Derrick Henry? Uh, it's such <laughs> a tough question because, if, well, you know, okay, here's what I'm doing. If you have Derrick Henry on a team where you, the rest of your team is not great, I'm looking to, to trade him. Okay. Now, obviously you would have been much wiser to trade him before he got hurt. That's the problem. Now, a lot of you might see like Derrick Henry is, is keeping your team alive. Sure. But dynasty is a whole lot different than season long. You can't just rely on one player forever, especially at running back. So if you're looking to get pieces and it, there's no better person to do that than Derrick Henry. I mean, think of, think of when Derrick Henry was healthy, what you could get, what type of haul you could get for him. You're talking probably three firsts and a decent starter. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like the type of volume and, and, and the production you get from him is absurd. Even now though, I don't really think it hurts his value that much. He has a broken bone in his foot. He didn't rupture his Achilles. He didn't tear his ACL. He's got a broken bone in his foot. And the guy has a very long track record of staying healthy. Um, and everyone's like, oh yeah, this is happening because of the huge workload. We don't know that. We have no idea. Like players get hurt. So like in my situation, where I have him on some really good dynasty teams, I'm holding on to him right now because if I were to trade him right now, people are going to use that against me that he's out and they're not going to get him until either the playoffs or the start of next season. So I, there's you're kind of in a holding pattern here and uh, it would have been wise to trade him on a bad team prior to this. If you have him on a good team, you hold on to him and you hope he's good. And I'm a, my assumption is Derrick Henry is going to be just fine for at least a couple more years. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that one. I will say um, I 100% agree to hold and don't short sell him right now. Um, but I have a very specific approach that, you know, could just, you know, benefit you in terms of what you're getting out of him and then limiting your risk. So if you want to treat this as a CMC situation, when it's not, they're two completely different sized players. Um, it's more than likely that this is not a situation where we keep seeing injury after injury after injury with him. But in the event that he does, this is, you know, you mentioned it's not an ACL, it's not an Achilles, so he will be back and ready to go for the beginning of the season. Trade him at the beginning of the season, um, get the top value out of him, and just in case maybe three, four, five, six weeks into the season, we start to see that same CMC thing where he gets another injury and we're on the downhill turn. But you've already gone ahead and you traded him at the highest value that he can have right there at the beginning of the season. You know, I, I like about that a lot is... We were all waiting. Now, it wasn't injury. I think we were all just waiting for the carries to catch up to Derrick Henry at some point. And he's just, he's a cyborg. So it hasn't caught up to him. But now the outside influence of the injury of coming back and it looks like, you know, he'll play, assuming that they still make the playoffs, which I think is a safe one now. We'll get some of him playoff King Henry. I get that. But the start of next year, this is the first time that you have something outside of his body lingering over, like the injury. And I, I, yeah, th this is the first time since he's arrived on this major stage where you could make that argument to get ahead of the wave before it crashes, especially because it's all been speculative, really, 
pardon me, Lofty, speculative. There we before, go. Right? <laughs> before each and every season, except now you have the injury that hangs over it. Right. But he might be back by like week 15, and then we're not even talking about that anymore, right? Like, what if he comes back and he's perfectly fine? I, I Honestly, if you're on a team that's been banged up by injuries this year and you're in a dynasty league and you know that you have a real shot to win, you're in win-now mode, but your team just kind of didn't come through this year, so you're in a rough spot. You're like, I don't want to sell off my guys because the only reason I didn't perform is because I had injuries, not because my team isn't good. I'd be looking to trade for Henry now because you might get him at a legitimate discount. There might There's always people out there that panic over this stuff. Oh, the carries, he doesn't have many years left. You don't know. He could still have three very solid years left. You have no idea at this point. You know, look how long Adrian Peterson did it for before he uh, was no longer able to. And he saw some heavy workloads. And he came back from an ACL and had a 2,000-yard season after one of the shortest recovery periods we've ever seen. So, uh, look, you don't know. But I'm I I am not averse to taking risks. And if I have a good team, and I know next year maybe I have Akers and I have McCaffrey – and I have a, a couple of other guys that really, you know, got hurt or have a bad quarterback, but things could change and my team's going to be sick. Adding Derrick Henry at a lesser cost could be a huge boon to your to your success. And that, that's one thing I'll be looking to do for sure. All right, let, let's bang through a couple of these injuries to look at here. We spoke at length about Calvin Ridley, the fallout there. T.Y. Hilton, it's just a, a recurring door here. Now he's hurt, he comes back, he's hurt, he comes back the concussion. We also have to talk about James Robinson, especially because that game was just absolutely miserable for the Jaguars offense. We'll talk a little bit about Dak as well, because that's going to be some trickle-down effect. I know the quarterback. I don't know if Loffy said something to Chris, our producer, ahead of time to just put the quarterbacks at the bottom of, of the injury list, but they are. Maybe that's just coincidence, or maybe that's just Chris knowing Loffy so well right now. <laughs> <laughs> but Dak will be back next week, though. No issue there. Like, like, let's knock the quarterbacks out real quick, right? Yeah. He, so oh, he, they even said they said he was on the verge of playing yeah, last time. Yeah. So, which makes sense, and and I get it. Like, it's still a risk, and it's still you're on the road, and you're still in the conference there. But it would make sense that you come off a bye and give him one extra week. Sure. Now that's two full weeks, and they won. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing, too. I mean, granted, that's after the fact, but what but a still. this poor performance from the Vikings, huh? Oh, my yeah. goodness. As it, Ben it, would say, gutless. The narrative <laughs> of Kirk Cousins on prime time rears its ugly head again, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was rough. All right, so Dak's out of the picture. He's back next week. No issue there. Jameis Winston, on the other hand, he's out with the ACL, and it looks like if it's Trevor Simeon or if it's Nick Foles or anybody in between right now, the Saints are going to be needing something consistent from that spot. If you were rocking with Winston, though, what happens now, Tara? Uh, you know, I'm if you were rocking with Winston, I'm going to assume that it's a super flex league. So you might have to um, yeah. go a different direction in terms. I mean, we you know joke about Mike White, but you might have to go a direction like that um, and pivot to that or Geno Smith or something in the time being that can get you by. Um, because, yeah, unfortunately, uh, if you're in that situation, you might not be able to pivot to a Taysom Hill if he comes back from injury. 
So I would assume that's the direction that they're going to head if Taysom is available in the impact, you know, obviously is pretty significant to the rest of the team, Alvin Kamara in particular, and the amount of uh, touches that he'll see, the amount of receptions that he'll see out of, out of the backfield. So it'll be interesting to ha- see how, see how the, see how the Saints handle this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is not good for Alvin Kamara if Taysom Hill ends up being the guy. Yep. And I still have no idea how far out Michael Thomas is either. Like that, that could change things too. But if it were, think about this with Jameis Winston, he was getting there and he wasn't really even getting there, but the saints were getting there on startling red zone efficiency. Like uh, Jameis Winston's red zone efficiency and inside the 10 yard line in terms of how many of those attempts he turned into touchdowns was crazy. It was, it was not even sustainable. But it was some of the craziest numbers you're going to see. Very low passing volume team to begin with, right? Like Alvin Kamara was literally breaking his career high in rushing attempts every week for like four straight weeks. They're going to have to look to get him the ball. Now, here's the good thing. Here's the good thing. They have the Titans or they have the Falcons, Titans, Eagles coming up. Next three on the schedule. That's pretty soft. So I still think, even if it is Taysom Hill, and God, I hope it's not, but Tara's probably right. If he come, if he's healthy enough to come back, why would you not? I mean, he was the one in the battle with Winston and almost beat him out before the season started. You, you still have to play Kamara. There's no doubt about it. But the goal line, the goal line is where I really worry. That's where Taysom Hill yeah. took away a lot of work from Kamara before he got hurt. I hate that for him. I, I really do. We saw him targeted last, last year when he came in in Drew Brees' absence. It's, it's not fun, but you're just going to have to hope that Kamara continues to get 20-plus carries and five-plus targets per game. Is there anybody on the team outside of Alvin Kamara that when the uh, news comes down that it's Taysom Hill, you're getting the hell away from? Are, are you moving away from Callaway? Are you moving There's away? There's no one from... else on the team that you haven't gotten the hell away from already, to okay. be honest. <laughs> okay. Right? No, no, no think that's... about it. Look, yes. Mark Ingram comes in, and, and now what about Ingram as a result of Taysom Hill? We already saw, like, mm. Sean, Sean Payton refuses to admit that he has this huge soft spot, right, for Ingram. <laughs> so what, does that change, Tara? No, you make a really good, I had not thought of that one yet. Um, because it's that goal line situation where Taysom is Taysom at the goal line. And Mark Ingram was somebody who could have been, you know, potentially someone that you want to roster. Um, obviously, when we look back to last year, we wanted to roster Latavius Murray just because of the opportunities that he gets as the secondary back. So you could have had the same situation with Mark Ingram, but now, unfortunately, we get to a place where, again, he might lose those goal line opportunities with Taysom moving forward. Yeah. I think what you probably, yeah, what you probably see is, is Ingram just takes on a Latavius Murray light type role. That's what I would think. Like eight, nine touches per game. I think that's reasonable, but and we'll have to see what happens in, in, in the goal line situations. The, the good thing about Kamara is he can score from anywhere on the field. Yep. So there's still that, but you don't want, you know, you remember that six touchdown game he had on Christmas last year? <laughs> I, I don't know how much you're going to see of that if, if, going forward, but yeah. we'll see. Are we ready for Temple Zone? PJ Walker here, the streamlined quarterback. <laughs> Oh man, he was he was fun in the XFL though. I tell you that much. Yes, he was. He was a lot of fun. It <laughs> was, was one he of won the me a lot of money. Yes, he did. <laughs> XFL was a great live betting uh, heaven. It was great. <laughs> Sam Darnold, is this right? I'm seeing this here. 
He hasn't completed the last two games he started for the Panthers in concussion protocol right now. And again, if you're relying on Sam Darnold each and every week, chances are that you're either really doing fantastic drafting elsewhere or you're probably SOL. But not P.J. Walker so much anywhere else you're looking at. And, and Lofty has made this point uh, a while back, and I think it holds true here, where you don't have to really be desperate, I think, to replace somebody like Sam Darnold, right? I mean, you, you, if you're relying on Sam Darnold in the first place, you can probably find somebody of equal value, dare I say, even on the waiver wire. Just yeah, I, I yeah, ahead, completely ahead, agree. I, I, yeah, I would not be replacing with PJ Walker. When you look back to week seven, when he came in, he went three of 14 and that was against the giants again. So, I mean, it's, it's not a situation where he, he's someone I'd be looking at at all. So I completely agree. I would be streaming. There's a lot better options um, on the waivers. Like you could stream probably Mac Jones next week against the Panthers. Um, I'm just looking down the, I'm just looking down the list now. Tua is probably available in a lot of leagues. Short single quarterback bench leagues, you know, where you have four or five bench players, you really never want to carry two quarterbacks on those. You, you stream. Yeah. Tua mm -hmm. has the Texans this week. So, I mean, that is a phenomenal streaming uh, spot right there. Uh, so, yeah, you're just – you're going to get those spots where you can stream guys and – and, and there's always going to be a couple of them each week. Even Carson Wentz, I bet he's on the waiver on a ton of leagues. He's got the Jets. Mike White, I don't know, against the Colts. It's not the craziest idea, but you get what I'm going with here. There's there's place. Tua would be the clear top streaming option for me this week, hands down against the Texans. All right, let's look at a couple of standout players here. We normally do this at the top, but we had so much injury news, especially with Derrick Henry, that it pushes it back. And I see that Lofi is going to complete the cycle here because on Friday, with Savoka in the house, myself and Tara picked up the torch that you initially lit on the 30-plus point performer. And guess who I had? I can't <laughs> help. I love me some Colts. I can't help it. But that's your MVP this week. Yeah. You want to talk about Truther? This has been my guy <laughs> since, like, From April. day one. I love Michael Pittman. I really do. I think he's a true alpha receiver, and he's beginning to show that, right? There was a lot of talk about Paris Campbell, uh, T.Y. Hilton coming back. I don't really think any of that matters. Granted, T.Y. Hilton was out last week, so when he returns, yeah, it could make somewhat of a difference. They can't stay healthy. He's He's been in the, the league for double-digit seasons now. Yeah. Michael Pittman is a goat, man. I love this guy. He makes insane circus catches, contested grabs, great catch radius. He can do everything a great receiver needs to do. And we've seen that week after week when he gets the opportunities. Uh, Michael Pittman, my MVP this week, 30-plus fantasy points. Absolutely love the guy. And two-touchdown game. He's finally starting to find the end zone. Remember, he, this guy didn't score for, like, his first however many games he was in the league. And now you're starting to see that positive regression. Uh, if you have Pittman, I, I said trade. I said two weeks ago in a video, trade for him now because the matchups he's got coming up are wonderful. Hopefully you did because Pittman, you're going to be getting some huge games out of him. Already are. Monster performance by all means. All right, Tara, who's your MVP? This was tough for me. Um, I wanted to go with Geno Smith uh, just because, I mean, what a fantastic game for Geno Smith. But I went with Michael Carter. Um, obviously, I mean, crazy game. We talked about it earlier. He had 15 carries for 77 yards, one touchdown on the ground, and then 9 of 14 through the air, 95 yards. I mean, if you were somebody that drafted him and held on, 
you got to feel golden going forward the rest of the season. He's just on such a positive trajectory. Even if we don't move forward with Mike White in the same situation, he is getting that Thursday start. We've already got that announcement. But even if we don't move forward with that, um, once eventually Zach Wilson comes back and whatnot, I think Michael Carter has just really asserted himself as the lead back in this offense um, and did it before a lot of us assumed he'd be able to get there. Um, we saw a lot of great things from him with Mike White at the helm. He was able to, you know, he was able to take advantage of a defense where this isn't their weakness. It's not a situation where we're looking at Boston Scott and saying, um, you know, Detroit's horrible at the run uh, and obviously did very well against them. But, you know, Cincinnati has a solid defense. They're fifth in DVOA against the run. So for him to go out here, get that solid work on the ground and through the air, it's just very impressive for me. Absolutely. We talked about it earlier in comparison to Ty Johnson as an option to pick up. And, and you mentioned as far as just still having Michael Carter there and clearly that huge performance. I'll round this out. And this is more just about, I think, expectations and smashing any realistic expectations of not knowing the drop between Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush and seeing Amari Cooper, 13 targets, eight grabs, he goes over the 100 yards, and on top of that, you get the score. Now, CeeDee Lamb taking that final game, you know, winning score away from him, that's fine. But the point being is to see Cooper, or, or pardon me, to see Amari Cooper with the backup Cooper Rush, I don't want to get my Coopers <laughs> tangled up here, that was beyond impressive. And then you have the performance. You have the numbers behind it from a fantasy standpoint. So not knowing what to really expect on the road, against a decent defense with the backup quarterback. Amari Cooper was the workhorse, and rightfully so. So just a little bit of a nod to him. And it pains me, of course, being an Eagles fan, but he deserves it. He deserves it. So, uh, Aton, Titans are signing Adrian Peterson. Wow. To yep. the practice squad <laughs> and then elevating him to the roster. So okay. there you have it. Now, that was quick. <laughs> that is quick. That has to be a bookkeeping thing, to sign somebody right to the – practice squad then elevate has to be i'm yeah. i'm very yeah. i'm very dumb and have very elementary knowledge when it comes to that type of stuff i am like i i don't know how some of that that stuff works i just know who's good and not good okay uh, honestly like i i wish i knew but i'm i'm I, i'm not i don't it's Here's neither here nor there it's just something yeah, yeah no it's it does time. seem odd that's what i mean i i don't know it has to have you're right it has to have something to do with that but i, I would say I, I still think McNichols is a fine pickup. I, I don't know if he's the greatest pickup, but I still think he's a fine pickup because you're not going to use Peterson a ton in the passing game, and he's never going to be Adrian Peterson. But if you're in dire straits, at this point of the season, it's tough unless big injuries come up to get good running backs on the waiver. In my, like, my dynasty league, for example, I am going to put a huge bid in on Adrian Peterson, probably the rest of my fab, to be honest with you, and I have a lot left, and I'm going to hope that Todd Downing decides that he can use Adrian Peterson in a, you know, a faux Derrick Henry role where he mm. gives him 20 carries a game. And if that's the case, I can deal with, with not being super efficient. So I think it depends on your circumstances. If you have good backups, don't worry about it. But in this league, I mean, you have to start 13 players every week. So any guy that's getting volume, you just have to figure out a way to get him into your lineup. Wow. This yeah. is big. Go ahead, Tara. Sorry. 
I was going to say, I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in kind of, you know, this guy's too old. This guy is, you know, he's burned me in the past, but you got to kind of forego that when you've got such a golden opportunity here of what could be. Now, granted, you know, you look at, um, look at the Ravens and you see these guys that haven't played in a little bit. Obviously it could turn out like, you know, Devonta Freeman, he looks good. He looks like he's, you know, back in action as opposed to Le'Veon Bell, who looks a little bit more, like a little bit more struggling with the time he had off. So it could go either way. You just kind of have to take that risk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it, speaking of Devonta Freeman, this could also be a situation where they go out and they sign another running back like the Ravens did. And then we're, then, a, then our heads are spinning. Yeah. So, you know, we still have some time before waivers process, which is good. Usually it's like after midnight on Wednesday morning, some are even later than that. Pay attention. I, I'm hoping they don't bring in a, a bunch of veterans and go with the full out timeshare approach. But remember, if Mike Zimmer not calling timeouts to end the first half, those time these timeouts don't have rollovers where you can use four or five of them in the second half. You can't take your fab budget with you next year unless you play in a strange league. And if that's the case, use it on a player that you really need. If you don't really need Adrian Peterson, maybe put a small bid in you and, and maybe you'll get him but only if you really, really need that depth or you really need a starter and you hope that he's going to be a workhorse. Peterson, and, and this is somewhat of a quasi-narrative, but we also have to factor in why someone like AP, AD all day is coming back. Five, less than 500 yards to pass Barry Sanders' fourth all-time. He's, mm -hmm. he's coming into a team midseason. And, and all I the reason why I bring this up is because if you're that close to a milestone of that name, you're not coming back to be a third or fourth string option just to hang around. Good point. Yeah, he could have been that anywhere this year. Thank yeah, you. That's a, yeah, that's a really good point because I think he did mention that he kind of he had opportunities, but he was holding back and not really pursuing them because he wanted to be in a position to be the guy. Yeah. Right. So I, I think to, to look at what this is and then the point of, of Laffy bringing up, you know, if it's somebody else that they bring up in the next couple of days to add to this backfield, I think right now you have to play the assumption, even if it's just a pickup and stash on your roster, you have to play the assumption that Adrian Peterson moves into the number one back right now, at the very least. Yes, you have to. You also have to pay attention to what goes on because true, you know, <laughs> true. Yes, I'm yes. not saying close close your eyes and go right. to sleep. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yes, Adrian Peterson. It's a good point, Aton. Why come back? He has to be viewing this as an opportunity to get a lot of work on a, on a pretty good football team and maybe compete for a Super Bowl. So, listen. Fit, <laughs> would it be crazy if Adrian Peterson was average? Again, we talked about like this guy is made of steel. You yeah. want to talk about somebody that just doesn't wear down? I know he's not nearly as efficient as he once was. I'm not saying that at all. Can Adrian Peterson average like 4.2 yards per carry? Yeah, absolutely. And and will he get the goal line touches? Sure. So he's like T.O., right? Like T.O. could come back and average like, you know, six, seven yards a carry and, and still be somewhat competent to maybe having a good couple of days. I keep looking at it like that. Yeah. Chris. <laughs> Chris Karen has, has says, what fa our, our producer, what fab are you spending on him out of a hundred budget? I pretty much already answered that, but I can give you, I can give you a, a little bit more. Uh, and Tara, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. But again, it, it's not, it's, 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 it's totally relative to what your situation is. Like with me, I have Derrick Henry. It's a dynasty team. 
I still have a good squad around him, but he was an anchor. So if I can get Adrian Peterson on a team where I have to start a lot of players, I'll spend whatever I have left. So I think I have like 900 left. Honestly, once we see how the dust settles and they're not going to sign anybody, maybe, and hopefully I'll spend not, maybe not all of it, but most of it. Uh, if you have a hundred dollar budget, you haven't spent any, spent any of it yet. And you have quality backups. Maybe you already pulled uh, Cordero Patterson off the waiver, or you have an Eli Mitchell or something that you can use from week to week. You're not going to go all out on Adrian Peterson. My hope is that he gets a lot of work in this offense and he can be somewhat of a stopgap to get me to where I need to go until like a Christian McCaffrey returns. But uh, it's all relative to your situation. Yeah, again, I would um, look to the league that you're in. I'm, I'm comfortable with spending maybe 30%, um, depending on how needy you are. Um, one thing I did want to point out, because my notifications are literally going off. <laughs> if you have someone on bye week that you can spare, technically speaking, you can go and swap and grab right now because I've seen literally in two different leagues that's happening right now. So <laughs> that's you might be point. in a situation where you can actually get ahead of it and go ahead and grab him. That's a great point. Yeah, not bad at all from that strategy standpoint. I, I'm seeing anything more people want to pop in to do with. We talked about Derrick Henry now with Adrian Peterson. We do have our MFPs as well. We talked a lot about our MVPs, but the most frustrating player across the board here before we get out. Loffy, you want to start things off here with your MFP? Why not? Yeah, it's Jalen Hurts. Uh, oh, wait, did I go with Emmanuel Sanders? I did. I, I was. I had like 18 different players that I could have gone with. <laughs> Hurts, Hurts burned me, so I have no problem with that. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders had four targets. He didn't catch a pass. I'm, I'm calling an audible here. It's Jalen Hurts. They, okay. they scored 44 points. This team has been completely anemic until the fourth quarter. Every week outside of the week one against the Falcons and, of course, against Kansas City, sure, but They've been so bad, and Jalen Hurts has been the garbage time king. And then they go out and they pour 44 points on Jalen Hurts and then put 38 on him, of course, a defensive touchdown, in three quarters. Don't forget about that. And he has his worst game of the season, four running back touchdowns. I should say the whole Eagles offense was, was, was frustrating because you got Miles Sanders watching from afar thinking, why can't this be me? I go on the IR and they run the ball like 42 times. I mean, the whole thing was just an absolute mess. Boston Scott was solid, though. Uh, so that's good. But watch. Next week, it'll be Kenny Gainwell that gets the start. Just watch. That's the maddening part about all this, Tara, is that we watch a team, and, and we've talked about this on multiple shows here, but you, you watch a team that you just can't prepare for because yeah. you have no idea what the coach is thinking. And I guarantee you, Next week against the Chargers, who you should be able to run the football against. You'll see 18 combined rushes for the team, and 17 of them will be Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, you're right. That haphazard coaching that you have to watch out for. You know the teams. But, uh, uh, yes. but yeah. <laughs> All right, who's your MFP? Uh, it's a per this is a perfect segue. I'm glad you switched to Hurts because it's a perfect segue into okay. mine, who is Kenneth Gamewall. <laughs> um, yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I knew it was a very strong possibility that Boston Scott would get a lot of work on the ground. And I still felt pretty positive. Well, you know, work through the air for Gainwell, PPR, it's fine. Um, he has never had a game with zero receptions. And all of a sudden, now his first game ever, no receptions at all, no targets. Kind of insane. But I, it seems like the coaching, they went with the strategy of we're going to attack what Detroit is weak against. 
Um, and I guess that's a good decision. We just wouldn't expect them to make a good decision when it comes to that coaching staff. Um, but the way that they went about it in terms of just um, making sure that, you know, Boston Scott had a 45% snap count. Uh, Jordan Howard had a 25% snap count. Um, Gainwell was 31. So it was such a weird situation. He's not eliminated, but he was just wildly ineffective and he wasn't used in those high value situations. We had, you know, those goal line carries for Boston Scott, for Jordan Howard, and there was just nothing there for Gainwell. Um, Jalen Hurts, you mentioned, had 14 attempts. So I don't think this is the direction that they're moving, moving forward. So I'm not fading Gainwell completely. It's just I worry about next week when we get to a situation where they should be able to attack the Chargers on the ground again, and we might get a repeat of the situation, and Gainwell just wasn't productive on the ground at all. No. No, especially with the conversations we had about him. And, and I think, I still think rightfully so, coming into this game without Sanders. What the hell? I'll call an audible and keep the same game, the same team. Devontae Smith <laughs> comes in. I know he missed some time with a head injury. And yes, you all, or headache, pardon me, difference. And you also had a dominating performance. You guys have laid it out as far as on the ground as well. But hold up. Three targets, only one grab. And there has been some disappearance at times. I'm not concerned as a fan of the team, but I am concerned about consistency from him as somebody who would roster him. So he's not the most frustrating real-life Eagle, but it's hard to ignore that he disappeared in a game that, granted, the quarterback didn't throw a lot, but where is this connection, at least from a consistent standpoint, outside of that Chiefs game? They didn't need him. They, they didn't need it, and and you should be you should be worried about they it. Needed him against week. Tampa. They needed him against Dallas. They needed him against San Fran. Uh, Devonte Smith. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they tried to get him the ball. Not as right? much I mean, he as had, we he had like... not. Oh, you're talking Tampa. Yeah, four targets. Okay, yeah, but like I mean, that's. I'm saying there's inconsistency. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying give up on him. I'm not saying trade him. I'm saying no. what's frustrating about mm. it is that he's just very inconsistent for a guy who should have a way more consistent rapport with a quarterback. I'd give up on him for sure. Really? Yeah. As, as a fantasy football in, in yeah. that realm? Okay. Right. Well, especially. I thought you were going the other way. I thought you were coming <laughs> at me being like, whoa, you know, give him well, a break. I thought you were talking about him not being used because. He's seen his targets have been 8, 7, 6, 10, 9, 4, 9, and 3, which you throw last week out the window or yesterday out the window because they just shit all over Detroit on the ground. They did, they literally did not need to throw the football. They threw 13 times when Jalen Hurts and Smith were out there. So it's a total throwaway game. The, the problem is there's just zero efficiency here. They don't know how to call plays, they don't know how to run an offense. So, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not worried about Devontae Smith going forward in terms of real life football, but. Yeah, I, I've seen enough right now. The targets are great, but they're, they're just not doing enough with them. And next week, next week is really concerning because you've got the Chargers who are, everyone talks about Tampa being a pass funnel defense. The Chargers are a massive pass, or, uh, sorry, uh, run funnel right. defense. Yeah. Yeah. They've allowed the fewest pass attempts of the season, all right? And they're allowing 5.1 yards per attempt on the ground. That's, that's higher than any other team, hands down. They've been gutted on the ground pretty much every week. The only, the, uh, here's the one exception. Nick Sirianni will absolutely abandon the run if the Chargers <laughs> score on the first drive and are up 7-0. I would bet money on that. <laughs> now, uh, that's yep. that's the, the caveat. 
But if this yeah. game actually is competitive and you've got the whole narrative traveling West Coast to East Coast for the Chargers, if it's close, you would be wise to run the football. Will they? Probably not. But <laughs> it's a really tough matchup in the passing game. And I think Hurts and Devontae Smith struggle again. Yeah, Real quick. You know, I'm sorry, Tara. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it kind of goes back to a concern that I had preseason about Devonta Smith. I had no concern with his talent, but I have concern with the wide receiver one for the Eagles, no matter who it is. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of comparisons with who, you know, who would you rather have? Do you, would you rather have Devonta Smith or would you rather have Jalen Waddle? Personally, I was kind of leaning towards Jalen Waddle just because it's a more appealing situation and more, more of a known than going with the wide receiver one of the Eagles. No, especially, and it's played out with this offense. It's maddening. Real quick, Josh, oh, I want to make sure that I had the name, Jacob, part of me, with a question about Dalvin Cook for A.J. Brown trade. Want to get that answered real quick on the way out. So, Lofi, Tara, you guys both want to take a shot at this. Someone offered Jacob G. Dalvin Cook for A.J. Brown. Should Jacob accept? It all boils down to who his other running backs are, um, 100%. I'm, I'm hesitant to give up a RB1 or even an RB2 for a wide receiver of great caliber, but my problem is, is that it really just depends on who else you have in your running back room. I'd say yes. It, it, it is, you're right. It is all contingent upon what you have, but uh, Dalvin Cook's coming off a, a bad game. It happens, but he is the top guy in that backfield. He's one of the only early round running or early picks that's still on his feet. Um, they, they had a bye week already too, which I like, you know, yep. you've got AJ Brown's bye week coming up in week 13. I'm not a big bye week guy when it comes to evaluating trades, but if a player's already had his and you're getting an additional week out of him and he's a stud, that does matter to me. So uh, I'll take the Dalvin Cook side. In a vacuum, I'll take the Dalvin Cook side of this one. Yeah. And hey, one more thing before we go. Sure. If you're in a touchdown heavy league and some people still play them, or you're in a league where you have to start a lot of players, maybe you have like multiple flexes and no kicker or defense, which I think is the way to do it. And it's a deep, maybe 14 team league. It's not crazy to get Jordan Howard for nothing. And, 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 and if you really need him, plug him in because he had 12 carries on 16 snaps. Hey, they're going to use him in the run game for sure. Kenny Gainwell was the garbage time back that cleaned up in the fourth quarter. You probably would have seen like 15 touches on the ground from Howard. Now, again, you can't rely on this team to run the football, but Jordan Howard has a lot of success as a goal line back. He had two touchdowns near the goal line yesterday. You might get some games where he's got like 10 for 45 and a score, and in a deep league, that could be enough. So just saying, a guy you could get basically free. Just as we said with Boston Scott last week, you're getting him for free. Yep. Jordan Howard could be that guy this week, and he might be the guy that gets 15 carries next week. Who knows? He's definitely got the size to be that back for sure elsewhere that we didn't really have consistently from that team. Awesome. We appreciate everybody on your way out. We've hit over triple digits watching now, so there's no excuse why you can't hit that thumbs up button on your way out. And then also subscribe. You want to say something? I'm sorry. Me? Yeah. No, I said give a thumbs up. Oh, that was the noise you made by giving the thumbs up. <laughs> there was I'm sorry. no noise. I just no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's at it's Tara time for Tara on Twitter at Luffy underscore D at Chander Show for me. Thanks to Yahoo. Thanks to Chris for producing. We'll see you Friday. Ha, ha, ha.